right? <laughs> Smells like grays. All right, welcome back to another rip roaring episode. We're gonna have a lot of fun today. In our in our last episode, we decided to make this a two parter. I was rambling. In the last episode, in the intro, I said this is the last episode of a series. What I didn't realize was that I was lying to you once. That's again. not true. You did is give this a sin you, that leads to death. You did. <laughs> you did say. And then there will be three more, right? So, and if I get another righteous yeah, rant, yeah, we'll yeah, probably right. have to do this another is, three yeah, parts. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, we were talking about um, kind of Christian versus Christian when we see someone who is who is objectively sinning, and um, and what do we do about That's that? Right. They in the wrong. Yeah, and and we went through kind of three uh, three kind of reactions that you can have. The first two being wrong, and the and the third being the middle ground, but. But the the first one being someone is sinning, and so we go with to them with Matthew eighteen, and we tell them that they're wrong, and if they don't repent, we bring someone else in. If they don't repent, we bring them in front of the church. But we do that really just so that we can say that we followed the Bible. But really, even if they don't repent, we're like, you know what, you're fine. You can chill with us. You can yeah, roll I'm with sorry. us. That was you know, we shouldn't have put you and through that. like we're good. We're gonna tolerate you, mm-hmm. and that's what love that's is. Real love. love is just tolerating, Be letting you. people live their truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would we give that a big you know stamp of unapproved. Um, yeah. And uh, not to sound snide, the, just just the, a side note. Not to sound snide, but really on a serious note, it's because there really is a judge who's going to bring his wrath on those who cling to that sin. So this is a, we really yes. perceive this is a rescue. And that mission. that leads us right into the second mm-hmm. scenario that we could take it where we have determined that we are that judge mm-hmm. that you just talked about. Yeah. You know, so we we see someone sinning, and we get into our brains mm-hmm. how right we are. We and shall so we not come to them, and we hammer them with. <clears throat> that's right. We take the Bible, we slap them across the face. If they don't repent, we bring some other people. We bring the church in, and we cast them out. And even if they're trying to repent, we say no, 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 no. And Proof then it. there's this yeah. there's this third um, scenario mm-hmm. that that is the kind of this beautiful middle ground. Mm-hmm. Of bringing someone to con- confronting someone with their sin, mm-hmm. in the hope that they repent, but not to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not to prove you right, um, or not to uh, even just to be able to vibe with them or whatever. But we are we are confronting them with their sin in order that they can receive reconciliation with God, and that they can receive restoration. Ooh through God and through the through the sanctification of his word. Mm. And we wanted to really talk about what that word means, restoration. Part of our work on this earth and within the church is when we see people who are sinning against what is ordained in scripture. We want to bring them into a restorative relationship back with the church and with their God through the grace of God working through us as tools for his righteousness. And so um, why indeed is is that word restoration? Why is mm. that why is that so important? Why do we mm. get excited about it? Let's why should we get oh, excited man. about it? We should because 
like the idea of a person being made whole. Everybody was like celebrating when Jesus was going around and his apostles after him and the prophets before him, healing people and providing provisions for the physical body to be made whole, complete, lacking nothing. If you, your legs didn't work, you were uh, paralyzed, you're restored and you can walk. If your eyes didn't function, you were blind, you are restored, you can see. Your mouth is loosed and you can speak and all these things, right? A demon has control over your body. You can't even, you can't even, you can't do anything right. And then you're released and you're set free from the bondage of that unclean spirit. But that's cool and all, but then you die, right? But what about if you could give someone healing in a way that can't be seen that is with the eye apart from the way it's evidenced in the way they live their life in peace and joy and ser loving service of other people. They're a changed person altogether. In fact, they're being changed into the person of Jesus Christ, right? And that's really what this is all about. Conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Being image bearers ourselves, we're supposed yeah. to be like yeah. God. We need to see it as a rescue mission. We need to see it as a person who's sick, who needs to be healed. A person who is maybe even at risk of being dead and revived or restored. So 1 Corinthians 5 is a good jumping or launching place because Paul speaks of it that way. And we kind of referenced it before, but I want to read that passage, at least a selection from it, so we can see how serious it is, right? 1 Corinthians 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication, that sex outside of marriage, that is before marriage. It doesn't violate the marriage uh, covenant because that will be adultery. But there's fornication mm -hmm. among you. And such fornication is, is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. So this guy's stepmom is the person that he is having an inappropriate sexual relationship with. And you are puffed up. And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For truly, for I truly, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Think of yeast and dough. Purge out Therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, what does all of this mean? I'm reading out of the King James, so some people might be a little confused. Don't worry. Pull out your ESV or something a little more contemporary, and you will be less confused, I assure you. But... What we want yeah, to take Yeah, and less away. holy, right, Carl? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So what did we learn? What we learn is Paul is writing to a people, a gathering of people who are worshiping Jesus with their lives, 
not just on Sunday. These people are doing it the right way. They're living life together. And now there's a problem that's come up where someone is practicing sin that leads to death. You can't do this and have confidence that you're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven because we just talked about it. We're being ordered. Our lives are being changed. We're new creations and we're being, and it's being shown, demonstrated that we're being made like Jesus. But Jesus doesn't do this. He does not do this. So what does he say? He says, you, first of all, are tolerant of it and proud of it when you actually should be grieved by this and you should throw this person out of the fellowship. Now, it doesn't mean excommunicate and not talk to him at all. We already went through that in the last episode. We're talking about really letting this person understand that you cannot get together and eat food with us and laugh and rejoice about the grace and the mercy we've obtained in the Lord and all the incredible things he's doing to transform us into his likeness. That, by the way, might seem a little interesting to some people because at church nowadays, we get together, we sing a few songs, and we talk about everything else but Jesus. But the way that it's supposed to be is that throughout the week, we're supposed to be devoting ourselves to one another and really wrestling through and celebrating victory after victory after victory as God changes us from selfish sinners to selfless saints that lovingly serve one another in a way that just brings awe to the non-believers around us and therefore compels them to really consider who this Jesus is because he's obviously all we care about. So when we talk about restoration, what we're really talking about is in our fellowship, we cannot sit down and discuss the joy that we have in walking and following Jesus when there's someone we know is actively working against our God. They're living as an enemy of the cross, and they're trampling over the sacrifice of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, as an unholy thing. Out of concern for this person and for ourselves, my goodness, we know that people who are like who love sin, when you hang out with them, somebody's influencing somebody, right? And it changes us, man. And so we can be corrupted. That's why I don't go hang out with the old friends I used to have by myself. I take another believer with me and we go and we're interacting with people in the world. But the people I'm primarily with are washing me and encouraging me and urging me to practice what is good. And then we go out in the world and we live that righteousness before them. So that's, yeah. that, I, I don't want to get too lost in that, but yeah. that's the key about restoration, right? Is, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. Do you think and, of- and there's, well, there's also this, this difference of, uh, of restoration and like full reconciliation. You're right, so I'm playing this little word game. But someone being restored uh, would assume that this individual was there at some point and has fallen away and is now being restored mm. back to um, mm. back to that. Um, whereas reconciled, you know, if we're talking about Second Corinthians 5, uh, 17 through 21 or whatever, it just says, we employ you to be reconciled to God. That's talking about like, that's talking about people who are like unbelievers, seeing them go from go from darkness into light, going from not going straight to hell to going straight to heaven, you know, on that path. And the difference also is whether we need our bodies to be washed or we need our feet to be washed, right? 
if 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 you need your body to be washed, that means you know in, into uh, um, uh, washing of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, waters of baptism. That means that you're not saved. If you are sinning against God, it's like, well, of course you are. <laughs> you're not you're not even part of the family of God. You, your whole life has been rebellion. Of course you are. And 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 those people, we want to see them be reconciled. Um, but as this podcast is is titled, you know, Christian versus Christian, we're talking about bringing people who call themselves brothers. And later on in this first Corinthians five, it talks about what to do with people who call themselves brothers who live in unrepentant sin. But we're talking about if someone call themselves a brother or sister, uh, calls himself a son or daughter of the King, and they are living in sin, a sin that is poisoning the 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 loaf a po- a, a, a leprous sin that is that is uh, going throughout the church we want to see them restored we want to in a way see their feet washed you know all this gunk that's been that's been built up on that uh, and we want to see them come back into a restored relationship with Jesus our hope and our prayer is that believing that this person is a believer, that by confronting them with the truth and going through the steps of Matthew 18 and going through uh, what is talked about in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, even if that comes to the extreme, which is you're, you're handing them over to Satan, it is done so because we know that the Holy Spirit is in them and that that is going to bring them back into restoration with God. And if that doesn't happen, then then maybe it's appropriate to be like, yeah, we don't need to judge it, but that's why it says that's why it says in is it Matthew eighteen or or this passage? But when it says to, to treat them like an unbeliever, yeah, both, both. Oh, it says both. It, it later on in yeah, this, but in both, in both yeah. of them, it says to treat them like an unbeliever. But why do we treat them like an unbeliever? Because we have now been given a hint of their heart condition. We don't know. We can't judge it. The reason why we treat them like an unbeliever is so that either they see like, oh my gosh, I'm being treated like like something that I'm not, or they come to an understanding of like, oh, this Jesus that I said I was serving, I actually didn't know him. I need to get to know yeah. him. And now all of a sudden, we've affected the occupancy of heaven because we have followed scriptural mandates rather than bringing down the hammer on someone and making them feel like a piece of poop and that, that they can never you know talk to, talk to Christians anymore. Or we tolerate them so much that they think, even though I'm sleeping with my stepmother... Hmm. The church is cool with this, so God must be cool with it too. Yeah. Those are the two spectrums. And it's like, no, no, no. Restoration does not come by by being the wrath of God to someone, nor does it come by being uh, super tolerant, but it comes by living out the the what Scripture has ordained for us to do, which is what we're describing, of confronting them with their sin and and praying and hoping for restoration to happen in that person's life so that we can glorify God together as a church and the church can continue to be as spotless and as, as without yeah, blemish as, yeah. it, as it can be. Let's talk about that because uh, this is so fitting with restoration. Even, and you know, you kind of talked about the wordplay of re- reconciliation and res- restoration and them being kind of do different things and kind of talking about, we don't even need to worry about that piece, right? But the, the if we're looking at a person and they are working against the body of Christ and therefore against Christ, right? We need to, we understand at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he says that the person, I think it's chapter 3, the person who fights against or damages the temple of God or his house or his body, right? That's the church. 
fights against the church, that God will destroy that person, right? So this is like really serious mm-hmm. stuff. But it's really interesting also to consider that God scourges or he whips. It literally says that he whips every son that he loves or child, right? So when we mm-hmm. hand them over to Satan, right, for the destruction of their flesh with this expectation that their soul might be saved their on the day of saved. judgment. That's right. It's, it me- it, what it means for us is that I'm, we're giving it over to the Lord. We're saying, Lord, Mark, just take a hold of this person. This is unfinished, unfinished business. We're binding this together in prayer, Matthew 18. We're binding this together. Lord, it's bound in heaven. You're going to take it from here because we're not going to execute any judgment and we're not going to execute any discipline. You're going to bring the scourging, the whooping, Lord. Spank that person. And you know what the Lord's going to do? Like a loving father, he's going to get to tapping that behind. He's going to bring that rod and he's going to spank, spank, spank. And that person is going to repent. Now, when a person doesn't repent, man, you know what? First of all, I think that's just foolishness in general because that's not what it says. It says that their soul might be saved, right? That the spirit may be saved, excuse me. Verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 5, 5. That to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a reference to his coming, the gathering. So that's all up to the Lord. And I, I feel so silly that I even get caught up in trying to figure out if a person is saved or unsaved. That's not my role. Lord, thank you for your mercy. That's not my role. My job is just to simply be a messenger of what God has said. And he said, don't do that. Okay, Ben and so-and-so together. We say, God said, don't do that. All right. Hey, everybody together in unison now. God said, don't do that. <laughs> and it's like, you still ain't down with this? There's nothing left that we can do. Lord, you prove it to them that you said that they shouldn't do that. And the whole point is that that person would come into agreement with God, not with us. If they're in agreement with God and we're in agreement with God, then we will be one in agreement with one another. As the father is in perfect agreement with his son by the spirit. And so when we look at this, Restoration oh, yeah. means it. It means unity. Yes. It means mm. this this mending together, yeah. mm. and that's what that's at the end of of that Matthew eighteen passage that says if two or three are gathered together, and we say that all like about like uh, <laughs> whether or not we can do church at how in our house or something, which I'm which I think is is you know it's a, it's a fine way to apply it, but really what it's talking about is like is like when we are when we are people who are taking on each other's burdens mm-hmm. and are taking on each other's woes mm-hmm. and are 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 being in agreement with what the God says and confronting people and bringing them back into the fold like that's yeah. where two or three are gathered together you know and Jesus is like in the midst of that beautiful like yes yes yeah, God Jesus is in the midst of that, of that. Yes. that's what and that's what church is church is not uh you know uh uh hold hands together in a circle and sing this little light of mine and you and you and you do that until the day you die um it it's it's uh it's hurt and it's pain and it's rejoicing yeah. and it's yeah. uh and it's it is sorrow and it's grief but it's also love and 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 joy 
And it's just it's all these things that are that are running together for unity together for restoration oneness. of yes. uh, one person yes. back into the fold, multiple people back into the fold, yes. but so that we as one body yeah. can bring glory to God. Yeah. And man, that's yeah. what it's all about, yeah. right? Yeah. One mouth, one mind, glorifying God. Man, you said it. And that's why when we see the suffering is where it takes place. You have to be willing to be hurt, to go through this process. So that's why when we look in first uh, Matthew 18, Peter, but then there's the disciples, they say in Luke 17, I think it's the same thing, is how many times should we forgive this person? And he says, uh, seven times seven, right? Seven times 70. You got to just keep forgiving them. They say in Luke 17, Lord, increase our faith because they know that's mm-hmm. required. But we understand that that's just where it starts. You, God is not impressed by that. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, then you can uproot that problem and cast it out of the way. That's what faith is all about. It leads to faithfulness. God, give me the strength. We can rely on him. Yes. Mark 11, Luke 17, Matthew 18. Read them. Get into that. We keep forgetting to mention it. <laughs> Those are the passages that we're referencing. Read them, dig into it, wrestle with it. If you pull anything from this podcast, that's what it is. First Corinthians 5 2. That one's short. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Living Shema is produced by Benjamin Foote and Carl Wellborn Jr. Our intro and outro music was produced by Jason Vaughn. If you have a question, comment, or quip, please contact us via email at livingshamaofficial at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.